This is Sue Brain, and welcome back to another episode of Embracing Your Mortality. Over the winter, I've been talking to some amazing people, including a remarkable gardener who helps his clients to connect and integrate with nature. Look at all of the members of staff that are working for free. Your worms, your bugs, all of the decomposers, even slugs and snails. A world-renowned crop circle researcher, lecturer and artist. To sit in the middle of a wheat field and just listen to nature, you know, it is magical to be able to do that and an expert in the art of developing good listening skills. It's about recognising that we have a drive to compete and it will get in the way of every single conversation unless we acknowledge it and sit with it and say, I need to listen to this. And this week, I'm talking to Claire and Chris Sands, who are the creators of The Silent Why, a truly wonderful podcast full of hope which explores 101 different ways we can experience loss and grief. Podcasting is something that I've been very passionate about uh, for quite some time because my my role, my job uh, for the last 20 years has been in basically creating audio content, mainly for live radio broadcasting. Uh, so I've been keenly watching the explosion of podcasting in the States and then in Britain as well and other countries around the world. And so I remember sort of saying to Claire a couple of years back, you know, we should try a podcast together. Uh, it's, we love we love talking together. We love conversation. And uh, I thought, yeah, we've got a lot we could talk on. And why don't we do a podcast? It'd be so easy to do. And Claire wasn't too sure uh, at the time. But then the more she got into her writing, I'll let her fill in the, the blanks that she came around to, to my way of thinking. So <laughs> you, you pick it up from there. Yeah, I think it was trying to find a subject. So when Chris first mentioned it, he wondered about doing something on childlessness because we were in the middle of it and it felt like something that would be a good topic. But I wasn't mm. sure about doing something on that specifically. And then the more we thought about it and I kind of came round to the idea, I thought I'd, I'd really like to give it a go because it's getting, you know, it's getting more popular and I, I really loved listening to them. I hadn't really started listening to them when Chris first mentioned it. Um, and I thought, actually, it'd be nice to do it. And it is a kind of a loss, but we'd, I'd like to do it on a broader topic. Mm. So we started to look into uh, what did we know about? What did we feel we had experience on? Or what could we get people to talk about well? Mm. And we ended up, well kind of putting it on loss really and thinking well childlessness had been a loss for us but it hadn't been a grief like a lot of um, people might see a bereavement to be it was something that was a bit more hidden a bit more misunderstood mm. and we thought well it, it must be lots of other losses like that that people don't really understand and don't see in the same way so what if we tried to find all of those kinds of losses and kind of did something around that and then we kept trying to bring it you know niche it down like they say when you're trying to do a podcast and we ended up thinking okay we'll do it on these losses but we'll try and find 101 different types of loss mm -hmm. and see if we can find people to speak to who have been through every single one of them um, and that's where the kind of the silent why came from because we thought there's probably a lot of people out there asking the question yeah. why why, why am I going through this yeah why me yeah. but silently maybe not out mm. loud loss is such an emotive subject anyway isn't it and and most people associate loss with somebody dying I know you're talking about your childness and that's the spark for you but I think what you're doing is giving people such an amazing platform to really explore what loss is for them. And obviously in my own podcast, Embracing Your Mortality, how do you feel that talking about loss actually feeds into that? Uh, in so many ways. Uh, I think for me, one of the, the key points of, 
of talking about loss, thinking about loss, contemplating it. A lot of people refer to ruminating and think that, that makes a lot of sense because you do ruminate. Um, but Claire's referred a few times, which has made me think to, to when there's something that isn't physical to grieve. So it's felt like it would be easier for us being childless to grieve with other support and sympathy if there was something physical like a gravestone. It feels like, mm. you know, it, it's easier to grieve something where there's a physical reminder that others can join you, join you at, join you with. Uh, and we haven't had that. So we've, we've wrestled with, you know, what do we want from people? How do you want people to support us? How do you want people to, to be with us, to ask us, to inquire, to mm. care, to show, show interest? Uh, and and not just for what we want, sort of purely for ourselves, but how can we help others in it? And it's been really difficult. Uh, and that all taps into you know our mortality, thinking well, you know, in other words, time is running out, sort of for, for want of a, a better phrase. That I'm now 42 years old, and I could pretty much say that I, my my I lost my 30s to just not not knowing, and I don't want to spend the rest of my life just being stuck in a loop of not knowing what's happening and just letting mm. life happen to you. So we've Anxious. had to really embrace our mortality to think, you know, we need to make decisions and we need to make decisions and, and draw lines in the sand that we can cross over for our own sake to release us into the, the future that we could have once we've got past the, mm. the not knowing what we're doing or what we're saying or who we're doing it with or who we're talking about it with. So the two are very much sort of linked. We are really passionate about your subject about embracing our mortality because mm. we don't want to spend our entire life basically just saying I don't know when people ask us what we're doing with our lives as a married couple. Just coming to you Claire about this because that's an awkward subject because the most people they see a couple and they go oh have you got children you know well no I haven't and and it's almost like oh I think I'll just go and cross the street now like mm. you do when you see a bereaved person and you don't know what to to talk to them about and how's that been for you? Yeah, it's been a really interesting journey and it continues every day, really. Just when you think you've got past some some stage of it, another stage opens up. And actually doing the podcast has made us question a lot of how much have we actually dealt with and how much have we still got to deal with just by talking to people who have fully grieved things and gone through it. I think it's made me realise that we're not we're not really there yet. But the early stages of knowing you couldn't have children were almost... They're not easy, but they're almost mm. easier than the bit afterwards, I think I'm finding. So I think I found that bit like, okay, well, this is our situation. What are we going to do? Here are all the decisions before us. Let's make our choices. Whereas now we know it's just going to be the two of us. It's just dealing with all the stuff you don't have, mm. the grief that maybe you didn't deal with early on. What do I want my life to look like? The expectation on you from other people, from family, mm. from friends, the changes in your life. You're grieving the loss of friends and situations that you thought would look different. And I think that's that's been the hardest bit, the sort of ongoing lots of different losses. And even with this new year, that's we're now in 2022, and it's like, well what do I want from this year? And each year I feel like it gets a bit different and I feel mm. like I'm taking control of my life a little bit more and I'm a bit more like, well, this is my life now and I don't want other people to be dictating what it looks like because they had expectations on me. So I'm, I'm trying to yeah. shape it in different ways and, you know, mm. you know, looking at mortality again, life is short. I think I've got one life. I'm over 40. I don't want to lose any more time. I want to enjoy mm. things while I'm here. It's really interesting, sort of the grieving process. And some people meet the grieving process very young, early on in their childhood. And some of us don't actually even begin to meet grief until we're older. In my own experience of 
meeting my own grief, that sort of really punched me on to really look at life and well, how do I want to live it now with this grief walking beside me? And just Chris coming to you, because obviously, you, you know, you're the would have been dad, where Claire, the would have been mum, but that's different. And I just wondered where you are with all of that. I think one of the things that's been the most helpful has been our marriage that we've always communicated really well together. So we, we've really enjoyed talking about sort of our own experiences mm. and how we get on in different groups of people when we're together, when we're apart. I've certainly felt more for Claire because I think that, yes there are conversations that I might have and that, that you know other guys may ask me about being a dad but then that's it for me but for Claire there are more sort of events mm. more gatherings more celebrations that the female gets invited to or spends a lot more time around than the male mm. does what's been the most frustrating of, of things has been no matter how open we've made ourselves to conversation and how much we've sort of asked people to inquire and take an interest and hold us accountable, not getting the feedback that we've really wanted or needed from that has been quite frustrating. That we love talking about this stuff, we love sharing our, uh, whether it's our marriage, whether it's our journey through childlessness, mm. uh, you know, that we've literally had conversations with, with family members, with friends, where we've said, look, ask us anything, we're a completely open book, mm. we love to talk about this stuff, we love deep conversation. Uh, and it feels like a, a sort of minority occasion response that you actually get people inquiring. Do you think this is because we were British, because <laughs> we are, <laughs> and that there is this element, oh, hang on a minute, it's getting a bit touchy-feely, too touchy-feely, because the Americans, in my experience, are much more open around this. You rarely meet an American that's not got a therapist or that's not spent a lot of time with at least one yeah. therapist. Uh, and that to us still feels like something that in this country you'd only have therapy if there was something that had been diagnosed or something that an yeah. expert had told you, you need this, go and do it. I don't know where that comes from. I think we've been we've certainly been raised in, with mixed experiences, both of us, of, of being open, but also being private. So we've mm. sort of seen the best of both worlds in our upbringing, really, in that we might have even views within our parents where there are differing views. One side might be well up for a, a, an open discussion. The other side might think, no, that's that's private. Mm. So, yeah, I wonder if the generations that are following us might be might be more open mm. to the idea. Last few, well, five years maybe, there's certainly been a big push on mental health, bringing a lot more into the open and mm. talking about it. So maybe things will change. Yeah, and I think, Claire, that doing the Silent Why podcast is actually helping people to express their relationship with loss and for me it's more the better and I just wondered what your response has been with the people that you've been interviewing so far. We've done 10 so far we've tried to keep them quite broad with the types of losses um, because obviously a lot of them will be bereavements um, and each one of those is very unique but we're trying to keep a mix in of other things so some physical things as well like loss of an arm loss of skin but then also relational things like loss of a brother to mental health loss of a marriage um, and other subjects loss of parents to dementia things like that so you kind of lose things at different stages it's been an amazing journey um, chatting to these people and we've learned a lot it's really opening our eyes to what the, the part that loss can play in our lives and I think almost without fail I think almost all of them have said they wouldn't have been without their loss yeah. There's been something about it that has made them the person they are. And I think that's 
really stuck out to me because although we want to find hope in each of these losses we, you know the key initially was not just to find the 101 losses but to see if it's possible to find hope and joy within a loss and it can you find that in every loss um mm. so that's part of our journey and so far everybody has said you know and it's not us telling them to say it it's all, all their own story and they've said yes I wouldn't be without it it's made me who I am and I'm a stronger person for it um, which has been really inspiring. It's really mm. been part of them. And I think we're we're trying to take from that as well and think, okay, losses make you the person that you are. And it's about kind of em- embracing them. And like you said, they walk beside you, like that grief mm. that's there all the time. But you find a way to sort of make them part of your life going forward and not necessarily a bad, scary part, but just a part of who you are. Almost a friend in some situations of like, well, this is because of what mm. I've been through. Uh, this has made me who I am, so I don't see it as a bad thing anymore. So, you know, we're just learning so much from it. Mm. And the more we dig into it, the more people get in touch with us and then we'll give us feedback on it or we'll be chatting to people and they'll be like, oh, that's another loss. And, you know, just this week we were chatting to someone, we are talking about um, doctors and consultants in hospitals and, and I was suddenly like, oh, loss of a patient. That would be an interesting one. How do you process losing a patient on an operating table and mm. all these different kinds of losses people go through in their jobs and things. So they're just, there's so many. It's mm. it's an exciting journey. We're just learning so much and a lot of humility as well for what people have been through and have come out stronger. When you experience profound loss, you actually join the human race <laughs> yeah. and you stop thinking you're invincible. And I think, you know, that's the gift, isn't it? And 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 I think that's a way that we can start raising Consciousness. I mean, I I don't know where you are with this. Yeah, I've got a lot from having the conversations, a lot of different things, things that I wasn't expecting. Um, and again, just to, to pick up on something you were saying too about the losses being part of us. I, th- I wonder if it's because when you experience different losses, however big or small, that it sort of makes you more human and therefore you, you want to connect with others in similar ways that you want to inquire and take an interest Maybe it's those who have had a very sort of straightforward, comfortable existence that are less inclined to take an interest because they just want to keep things quite safe and secure. I'm not sure, so I'm thinking on that myself. We're worth it to make things as easy and comfortable and beautiful as possible and Mm -hmm. brush everything else under the carpet. Um, But we do, you know, those that we've spoken to in the past sort of six months, there's been a real thankfulness that has that has really blessed me in the sense that people are, are thankful for just the opportunity to have these conversations. And not just that, but from some people that have listened to them as well, friends that we've got that have been thankful to be able to listen to them because it's in a way we're demonstrating conversations that they're not used to having. Mm. Uh, and yes, uh, we edit our podcast. So, you know, what you hear uh, is not hundred percent what happens in the conversation because we take out some bits and pieces and pauses and whatever else but generally we try and keep the conversation as natural as as possible as as it happened Uh, and it took us a while to realize that not everybody speaks in the same way that we do that even within our home as we always have within our marriage the sort of depth the the speed that we go deep in a conversation is quite alien to other people Uh, and so it's been a really lovely sort of eye-opening experience to have Mm. people enjoy being part of that and for us to be able to model conversation in a way and discussion in a way where there's questions asked and there's interest shown and there's Mm. you know ways that you can take conversation a bit deeper in my experience running death cafes it's holding a space for people to come and feel safe enough to explore 
what that means, death means to them. And I think what you're doing is the same kind of thing. You're holding a space for people to explore what loss means to them and it's giving them permission. I think it took me a long while to realise that not everyone can have these conversations. I think because we've always enjoyed them, which sounds weird, I guess in some, but deep conversation for us is just, it's just, it feeds us in some way. Some people either can't have these conversations or they just don't want to. They just, it just plain makes them feel uncomfortable. But I kind of want to get across the message, that's not okay. Because when someone talks to me about my life and wants to hear about it and then they hear the word childlessness and it gets awkward and they turn away, they're basically saying that my life isn't something they want to talk about or they feel comfortable looking at. And that's quite hurtful. So I think I want to kind of educate people a little bit more to say you might not like having these conversations. But if you're faced with someone who's been through a loss, if, if you're sat with someone, you're like, oh, have you got children? And they say no. Or, you know, maybe even worse, they say I did, but my child died. It's not okay at that point to just be like, oh, gosh, I don't know how. I'm just going to turn around mm. and not have this conversation. We do need to have these conversations, even if it's just you've just got one question in your bag that you follow up with. And then mm. if they want to talk, they will. If they don't want to talk, they won't have mentioned it in the first place. They'll have skirted around it anyway. But I just I want people to, to kind of, yeah, not really feel like it's okay to just ignore this stuff because it is out there. And like you said, I mean, nobody gets away with loss. A couple of episodes ago, we spoke to a, a lady who lost her child, which was a big episode because we knew that it was the one grief that a lot of people compare other griefs to as like the pinnacle of grief mm. in some way. You know, this is, could be the worst. So it was really interesting to speak to her because we could ask her, is it the worst? What does this look like? Should it be compared to other griefs? What's your opinion on this? Because you've been through it. Um, and it was amazing to find someone who was willing to be that open because um, mm. her son was 12 when he died. So it wasn't like, it, you know, it, they'd had a short time together. This was a, a long time with this child. Um, and she said something really interesting at the end. She said, when people say to me, I can't imagine what you're going through, she finds that one of the most hurtful things because she said she wanted she wants to say to them, it's not that you can't imagine, it's that you don't want to. Mm. And when you say you can't imagine, it puts a barrier between me and you um you know it separates us that I'm going through something that you can't even you know get near and she doesn't mm. find that helpful and I know a lot of people use that expression oh, mm, I I never I've imagine. used that expression many yeah, times I almost like it's a good it. thing to say like oh I, I can't imagine what yeah. you're going through so yeah. well that's not helpful it, it's interesting isn't it it's how do you get over the platitudes to actually meet somebody really where they are. And there's mm. just no rule book for it. No, and there is no right answer for most of it either. That's the tricky thing. <laughs> no, yeah. but most, most people agree on just just try. That's all we want is just, just try. Whatever whatever way, just give it a go mm. and we'll, we'll be thankful for it. Don't don't stay away and sort of keep quiet and keep your distance. Just, just try and draw alongside us. Is it okay to say, look, I'm really sorry about this for you? Is that a platitude or what would you like to hear someone say? That's a difficult thing, isn't it? You, you should have. I mean, I don't actually mind the sorry thing. I'm cautious about saying it because I know some people respond with, well, it's not your fault. <laughs> Why are you apologising? <laughs> but I don't I don't see it as an apology. I see it as a I'm sorry in myself that you have to go through that. I'm not apologising mm. for it. I'm just sort of saying I'm sorry that you're going. So I don't actually mind someone saying, you know, if they responded with, I'm really sorry that that's been your story or that you've gone through that. I, I, I'm fine with that. So I guess that shows you how you can't really get it right because some people wouldn't be. But I think on the whole, I, I just like people to be a little bit interested. Like, what's that like? Yeah. Yes, that's fine yeah. for me. That's a great follow-up. That's, that's all yeah. it takes. What's that experience like for you? That's all mm, it takes yeah. to let, let the individual say whether it's been horrific or whether it's been actually quite pleasant. 
The other thing is the assumptions, isn't it? So um, my dad and I always had a difficult relationship and and I did sit with him when he died and it was a healing for us, but he, he was ready to go and somebody came up in the funeral to me afterwards and said, I'm so sorry your dad's died. And I said, well, I'm not. <laughs> and, oh, <laughs> and, and it was this assumption and that's where you, you find out when people are, are in, you know, are kind of comfortable with that or not. Because if I'd said to you, I'm sorry you lost your dad, and then you said, I'm not, I'd be like, interesting. Why is yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. fascinated by that response. Like, okay, well, you know, what's the story there? I don't yeah. know if it's because, you know, I do like writing fiction. I've been trying to write a novel. So for most of my my life, really, partly why I started writing, I loved imagining situations and not just happy ones I you know I would see something on tv and it would drive me mad if there was if someone died and then they would skip a scene where the big conversations would have happened where someone had to tell someone else that someone died or where there was a funeral that you know would have been meaningful and they skip it and move on and it's like 10 weeks later and I'm like no you know I want to see those situations and I like I like imagining them what would it look like if Chris died you know what's my plan where would I be what shall I do who would I call? I've learned over the years, again, not everyone thinks like that. Some people mm. won't even think about death because it terrifies them. Well, the, I mean, what you're doing is truly embracing your mortality because you're owning the fact that, A, you ain't going to be here forever and Chris isn't going to be here forever. And mm. contingency plans are, good, are very good, even if you don't want to make them. It's a really good thing to do. And I have a friend who's she's got a very serious illness and I'm really interested in how she's very tentatively stepping forward with this life-threatening illness and what's okay for her and what isn't. And I have to be very careful with what I would like to say because I'm cool with it, but she's actually not. And it's learning, isn't it, to negotiate how best to support somebody going through a loss that they, they just don't want to engage in. Mm. Yeah, we've had similar experiences, I think, certainly with guys. But I found myself in the past sort of asking for permission to say, look, we're at the start of this journey. You know, you give me permission to do this or that, or if you want me to hold you to account in this regard or to keep checking up on you, you, you let me know and you give me permission, I'll do it. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly the way to do it is, you know, what do you need from me or what would you like me to, to provide for you? Because everybody chooses a who they want to talk to about death and dying or not everybody does and it's and there's so much research now coming out about how people who are dying in hospices and hospitals often choose to talk to the cleaner because they feel comfortable with them Mm. no uniform or the person who who delivers the drink yeah i think the i've we've found that with childlessness um very early on we realized it gave us a a door into speaking to people who had been through loss because we had something in our own life. And I think if you want to use your losses in that way, it works really well to connect with other people. So I've been chatting with people who have lost partners or who are divorced or who have you know lost a child. And I feel like there's that, the, the barriers go down a little bit because they know I've also been through something in my life that I would have liked to have been different. And I understand that loss. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they, they connect with me and they chat to me more. And there's been times when I've been really grateful for that because I know that if I'd have had the seemingly perfect from the outside family with the two kids and the husband and the nice house, 
I don't think they would have opened up in the same way because you mm. sort of look at someone and think, well, their life looks kind of perfect, so they're not going to get what I'm talking about. Um, but mm. a few times I've just really felt I've connected more because because I've got that in my life and I'm and I'm open about it. And it's just something lovely about chatting to people. You know, with the podcast at the beginning, before we hit record, we always say to people, is there anywhere you don't want us to go? Any subject, any area you don't want us to talk about? Um, very rarely do we get an answer unless we've got some living relatives or something around mm. and there's like, well, I kind of want to protect them, which you get... Other than that, they're like, no, go for it. I'm an open book. And then I just love that because we just take them at their word. <laughs> we just we just chat. I think in my experience of, again, running the death cafes, it feels like you just walk into each other's hearts hmm. straight yeah. away. Yeah, and I, I call it when God walks into the room, there's a feeling of we're in this together and nobody's yeah. trying to be more expert than anybody else or... I know more than you, and people may have sat, you know, behind hun- beside hundreds of the dying, but they're still in a process learning what the human condition is about. They may have that lens on, but we're all at it. We're all learning every day. Some of our most valuable experiences, certainly within the, the arena of childlessness, was at an annual conference that we would attend in, in Gloucestershire. Maybe the first or second time we went to that, uh, the the host simply said, sort of from the stage at the the very start of the day, so it was a one day thing. It's it's strange being in a room full of people where everyone knows your your deepest secret because we're all there. You know, we've got this one thing in common that's to many of those there. You know, nobody else outside of that room knows about. It, so maybe they're just sort of starting to talk about it, think about it for the first time. But straight away, that sort of mm. wall is smashed down because something that's so private outside of there, for some, suddenly you're in a room filled with people, everyone knows why you're there. And uh, mm. it's just such a great starting point because it's like already you're starting at a, a certain sort of deep level with conversation and meeting people and just, just seeing mm. seeing what other people look like. And then you, everyone goes away thinking, oh, I'm not alone in this. Mm. That's exa- exactly right. <laughs> That's so the thing. You're not alone. Mm. That's yeah. it. I would, I would 100% recommend and would do myself, you know, getting in a room with people in the same situation as you. Um, there's something very mm. powerful about it. And we've heard people talking about it that we've interviewed in lots of different arenas, whether it's, you know, people going through cancer or diseases or whether it's the death cafes, just something where you you go into a room and you're all in the same boat, even though you're all in slightly different boats in some way, but you've just got this one thing in common and it's just very powerful. And some of my Mm. best chats were at those conferences, just over lunch, you know, I remember chatting to a couple opposite me that had had trouble with infertility for years and finally got pregnant with twins and she'd lost them at about 30 weeks and I just thought, where else can you sit and just chat mm. so openly, so quickly, never met her before, about something so painful? Um, it was just lovely. And, you know, I just felt mm. that connection. You could see the healing through them as they spoke to other people. Even though we weren't in the same boat, we were in the boat of not, not having children. And mm. it was just, yeah, it was really healing. And I would, I just 100% recommend it mm. to anybody. If you're struggling with something, mm. find people going through the same thing because there's just something about that, like you said, not being alone that's really powerful. What's your vision for the, for the podcast, Chris? Oh, well, get to 101 different types of loss. <laughs> I think uh, that would be obviously the, the first aim uh, and an ambition of ours uh, is to have all those episodes under our belt. Yeah, to be able to achieve that goal overall and then along the way just encourage people. With loss, with embracing your mortality, 
you know, you're doing it wrong if you think that this is only for people that have lost or haven't mm. yet embraced them. But, you know, this is for everyone. Everyone will lose something. So everyone needs to, whether they've lost or not, mm. they need to think, well, this will help me prepare for it if I've not felt it already. So we need to share that message mm. as much as anything, that even if you've not lost anything, this might help you when you get to that stage of losing a career or the job that you love because of illness or the position within that organisation or club or that hobby because of the loss of something that you're going to have to grieve it and these resources are here to help you prepare for that. Claire and Chris Sands. To listen to their podcast, please go to thesilentwhy.com. My next guest is Frederick Udell, a Danish researcher fascinated in near-death experiences and by the prospect of how advanced UFO technology could be the answer to many of humanity's problems. It's overwhelmingly convincing that there is some kind of extremely advanced technology present in our airspace and in our seas. If you haven't already, don't forget to listen to the first three series of Embracing Your Mortality. Links to all my guests in all the series can be found on my website, suebrain.co.uk. In the meantime, here's to living more consciously for a better world. The Embracing Your Mortality podcast was researched and recorded by Sue Brain and produced and edited by the Podcast Den. Hold up. 